So I was making this mean so much more than it really needed to mean. And really what it was, was the fear of the unknown. It was the fear of having to learn something new because I've never been in a situation where I couldn't just get in my car and go to Target if I wanted to, or I couldn't just get in my car and go hiking if I wanted to. I have to actually now think about these things and the logistics in a whole new way. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life, and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step-by-step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover and building a successful launch strategy. Basically, by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the boldly courageous podcast. As always, I am so grateful that you are here with me today. And I have a story for you. Now this is, it's kind of like funny, but also, you know, I I feel like every experience has uh, teachable, teachable moments in it. Right. So I'm, I'm sharing this story as the, an opportunity and the power to reimagine. And you know, if you've been here for a while or if you're brand new, you're going to come to find out that I am like obsessed with self-awareness and like hacking the matrix, if you will. Like I love to just get into the nitty gritty of the way my brain works and question everything. Um, I always love to just look at things and be like, well, why do I feel that way? And what is behind that? So anyway, I have, I had this, um, experience recently that I, I wanted to really like share with you and, um, why it was such a 
a difficult experience. So recently, oh, let me, let me just back up. So this has to do with, uh, selling my car. <laughs> so I'll give you a little bit of context on that, but let's see back in 2018, I had purchased a Jeep Grand Cherokee because at the time in my life, it made sense. I lived in the Northeast. I needed, you know, a four wheel or all wheel drive vehicle. Um, you know, my, my husband at the time, he ATV'd a lot. So we needed a car that we could tow a trailer behind. So anyway, I ended up getting a Jeep Grand Cherokee and I love this car. Like it was an amazing car. I felt safe in it and it fit my lifestyle, but then life changed. And I, you know, left that relationship, moved to California. And I felt like this idea that I had for my life when I lived in upstate New York of like being in the woods and um, eventually wanting to have kids and all this stuff, like the car was a space that I could grow into and my identity changed. And with it, the utility for that vehicle changed. And I was like, I don't need this, you know, SUV. I, I wanted to get a convertible, a two-seater uh, or a four-seater convertible. So in the beginning of 2020, I brought my vehicle into CarMax just to see what they would offer for me. And it was like two grand over what I owed. And it just, it honestly didn't make sense. And I went and test drove a couple of vehicles and the numbers just didn't align. And it honestly, it felt too difficult. And I don't like when things, when things feel hard, like it's a push or a stretch in a way that's like, I really would have to like manipulate this to get what I want. It's usually a no for me. I just like things to feel easy. So I decided to keep the car and then COVID hit and all the things. And at the end of 2020, I ended up driving my vehicle from it, uh, from California to Atlanta. And I put a U-Haul in the back of it. And, you know, when I moved into this apartment, it served me because I could put the seats down and I was buying new things. I mean, I moved here with a mattress and a coffee table <laughs> and like a set of antique chairs that were my grandmother's and my Peloton. I didn't have any furniture, no rugs, no nut, like everything for the most part, save some decorative items and sentimental things. And my clothes is brand new. So having an SUV when I first moved here made sense, but I started to realize like, I never drive. I literally fill my gas tank up like twice a month. I travel a lot. I live in a city in a high rise. I don't really need this vehicle. And honestly, it represents a phase in my life that I just don't feel connected to anymore. And so I made this decision. I started to look into like, what would it look like to not have a car or, you know, everything that's happening right now in our world, the, the car market is just wildly insane. And the used car prices are through the roof. So I went to CarMax and they offered me $15,000 above what I owed, which was $10,000 more than what they were going to offer me <laughs> two years prior, which was insane to me. But my brain is going, wow, like this, like, how can I take advantage of an anomaly right now? Like this can work to my advantage. So they were ready to give me a check on the spot and I had to sit with it for like 24 hours because this to me felt like a really big decision. I didn't want to make an impulse decision. And so I came home and I started to really 
bring awareness to the experience that I was having. Because on the one hand, I was like, this makes total sense logically. On the other hand, I was having a lot of anxiety and like a real emotional like experience happening in my body. So I have enough awareness to say, okay, let me give this 24 hours. Let me sit with this. I mean, technically I had 14 days to decide. So let me go home and really like dig into what are the stories that I'm telling myself? Like, what is the experience? What is the attachment? Where's the anxiety coming from? And so I really started to go all the way back. Like, why does this matter? What is the emotional attachment? What is my ego saying about all this? Like, what is, what is the, yeah, what is the attachment to all of this? And I had to go back to childhood. And I grew up in a really small town in upstate New York where the divide between what we might call the haves and the have nots was relatively large. And, you know, my parents, they're amazing. They did the best that they could with the tools that they had. And we lived a very extraordinary life. I grew up on a piece of property. I mean, we, we had four acres of land, but it was on a larger piece of land that was 180 acres of farmland. Like I grew up in this 1700s farmhouse with barns and land and we had horses and so much space to run. And, you know, I got to come home from school every single day and play in the hayloft and, you know, braid my horse's mane and tail and go horseback riding till the sun came down. And the land around our house was filled with cornfields and apple orchards and old wine vineyards and hiking trails. And I could just be lost in nature all day. And I didn't know then how special that was. And I think when you're younger, of course, you're always looking through the lens of comparison. Like when you go into junior high and high school, you start to realize that there is a separation between you and other people. And you start to see that society places a judgment on money and wealth and how money and wealth is expressed. And so I started to see that my friends may be dressed differently than me or their homes were newer. And as a result, they had central air or they had cable. And these were things that I didn't have, you know, they didn't heat their house by wood stove. Their parents had new cars, you know, they didn't have older clothes and hand-me-down things and, you know, their furniture matched and mine didn't. So it was, I started to have this observation of how different my experience was. And so I started to see, like, in order for me to be accepted in the quote unquote popular crowd, which were the girls that I wanted to be like, that were pretty and they had nice clothes. Like I, if I wanted to live that experience that I would have to, uh, have those things to be accepted. Right. So the drive for me at a young age to have money was very strong because I wanted to be accepted because I wanted to feel worthy, just like what I saw in these women and these, these girls, like the way that they, how pretty they were and the clothes that they wear and the things like that. I wanted that. So I realized that in order to be accepted into the group, in order to be one of the haves that you needed to have nice clothes and nice cars. And so that was the story that I created as at a young age. And 
I remember in my town, like everyone loved to like (laughs) deck out their vehicles, right? Like all the guys put sound systems in their cars and put like cool rims on their tires and got their windows tinted, you know, and like, it was a thing, like people just really loved to like pimp out their cars. And so my, my boyfriend at the time, you know, he drove a, a Mustang and it was like super badass, and he had an awesome stereo in it. And I would often go to the stereo store with him and learn about all of like the different equipment. And, you know, every time he would get something new on his car, he would tell me about it. So I just started to learn at a young age, how to have like this affinity for cars. And my boyfriend and I were on vacation. We were in spring break in Florida and him and I were walking down the street. And as we were walking, this woman in a black BMW turned and pulled in front of us to pull into a parking lot we were on the sidewalk and she kind of pulled in front of us and he must have seen the look on my face because something about this woman just literally caught my attention. It was like one of those things that the moment I saw her in her car, I like literally could not take my eyes off her. And my like face turned from like left to right. And like, just why I was like, just so bewildered in this moment by this woman that had like you know, she had dark brown hair and her hair was pulled back in a ponytail and she had these black designer sunglasses on and a black tank top and her black, I mean, it was like black on black on black and her beautiful BMW and literally everything about this woman exemplified wealth and success and beauty. And I just was like, so caught in the experience. And so he must have seen the look on my face because he said to me, he goes, well, you know, maybe someday you'll, you'll be just like her in a car like that. And it like, it planted a seed of, I want that. Like, I want to feel, what does that feel like? What does it feel like to be so polished and so professional and so wealthy? And I really started to create an attachment to Uh, like cars and the wealthy woman and this wealthy experience. So when I was going through this process of selling my car, this was kind of the thing that came up for me of like, why has it mattered so much? And I remember, I mean, in high school, my very first car was a a, a Honda Accord, like a two-door tan champagne color Honda Accord. And I was like, so happy to have this car. And after the Honda, I sold the Honda to my mom's boss because at a, my boyfriend who actually became my fiance when I was 20 years old, crazy. He was a general manager for Nissan and he bought me a Nissan Maxima. So that was like my first like new car. I've, and it was black on black. I felt like I have made it. I am like that woman that, I mean, it wasn't a BMW, but it was still a brand new Max one. I felt so fancy and so special. So I had that car and then our relationship ended. And I obviously gave him the car back and I, I bought my, I, I got my Honda back from my mom's boss. That's right. Oh my gosh. This is such a fun like trip down memory lane. And I took that car to college and then the transmission died. And then I got my dad's Saturn and I had that in college. And after graduation, I moved back home. And when I was in upstate New York with that car, I got into a car accident and then I got the little Nissan Sentra and the Nissan Sentra 
took me back to Rhode Island through my career at Fidelity and down to Florida. I drove that car from Rhode Island to Florida. And then with my company sent me from Florida to Texas and they gave me a ton of money to relocate. And my little Nissan Sentra was like falling apart. Like the exhaust was super loud. Like it sounded like, you know, again, when I was in high school, people would put these like fancy exhausts on their cars to make them sound really loud. Well, that's what my car sounded like because the exhaust was like literally falling off. So I roll into the Audi dealership and I leased a brand new Audi A4 and it was white on white. And I felt like I had made it in life again for the second time, but this time it was my car for real. So anyway, I, I went from having that Audi to then getting an Audi convertible. And then what, after that Audi convertible, I ended up getting a Mercedes GLK. And so I'd always loved having these really nice, expensive luxury vehicles, because honestly, it truly made me feel like a wealthy woman. And I love luxury. Like, I just love the feeling of being in a nice car. It just made me feel successful. Even if I had like no money to put gas in my car, I still felt great that I had this beautiful car. So anyway, so I trade in my GLK, I get this Jeep Grand Cherokee and I like the Jeep, but like, there's something about it that that just doesn't feel like me. Like I just want to be in a luxury experience. So I remember that experience in Florida and I can see why I have this deep seated attachment to having a car, but there was another layer. And the next layer that really came up for me was this feeling of not being safe and not having a choice. So Growing up in a small town, living in a small town, not having access to public transportation, if ever anything was going wrong in my life, I could always just get in my car and go. Like I've always had the freedom. If I want to pick up and drive to go see my friends who live two or three hours away, I could do that. If I wanted to escape, I could hop in my car. I could do that. And honestly, there have been moments where I've had the thought that if for some reason I end up in the worst case scenario and shit hits the fan and like I get evicted from my apartment. Well, I could sleep in my car. Like there was definitely some level of attachment and story around safety with this vehicle of like, I could live in it. I could probably attach a trailer to the back of it if I needed to, like I could buy a little RV or something. Like if things got really, 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 really bad, no matter what I have my car, I imagine it's the same way that people probably feel about their homes that like, if I own my house, no matter what, at least I have a place to stay. I have a place to live. I feel safe. And so what was coming up for me was this idea of not having a car of, if I sell this car and I don't have another one, I am stepping into an unknown reality that I haven't been in since I was 17. Like my first car I got when I was 17 years old and I have not been without a car since then. So my brain literally started like haywiring and short circuiting, right? Because I'm like, well, wait a second. If I don't have a car, how will I get places? And like, will I be safe? And what if I need to leave? And I've never had to think about any of those things because I've always had a car. I've always just had the the obvious, like just get in your car and go kind of mentality. But now this was opening me up to reimagine life 
in a whole new way. And, and there's, there's a lesson in this. And the reason why I'm sharing this, it's not about the car. It's really not like, I hope that you're getting the deeper message here is that this is such a beautiful metaphor for life that when we really are, when we really take a moment to pause and we look at the attachments that we have to the things in our life, they hold so much power over us that actually has nothing to even do with the thing. It's the story, it's the attachment, and it's the power that we're giving to it. So I was making this mean so much more than it really needed to mean. And really what it was, was the fear of the unknown. It was the fear of having to learn something new because I've never been in a situation where I couldn't just get in my car and go to Target if I wanted to, or I couldn't just get in my car and go hiking if I wanted to. I have to actually now think about these things and the logistics in a whole new way. I don't know what it would be like to like, if I, if it's a Saturday and I decide I want to go hiking, how do I do, how do I do that? What do I do? And so I had to sit with that and really reimagine the process of how do I figure this out? So truthfully, this is the difference between having resources and being resourceful. So this decision to sell my car in a logical way made sense from a fine. If we're talking numbers, like take advantage of the, of the inefficiencies that are in the market right now. And you just made $15,000, right? Great. But when we think about being resourceful, resourceful is often built out of necessity. Like we're in a situation where the logical easiest path is not available to us. So the logical easiest path would be just get in your car and go. But if that's not available, well, then you have to get resourceful. And it actually helps you to think outside the box. And I do think that some of the most incredible businesses and ideas are born out of inconvenience. They're born out of not having resources. So when you look at your life, and you're sitting in this place of feeling like I can't do something because I don't have blah, blah, blah. How can you get resourceful? How can you start to figure things out in a new way? And I promise you, you will feel so empowered, so inspired. You will come up with some of the coolest ideas, things that you never even thought of. And it's also such a powerful opportunity to look at your attachments and the why behind it. So it truly gave me the power to reimagine life and figure things out and become a beginner again, to become a student again, to learn how to use public transportation. Like I don't need to use public transportation. I just get in my car. So now I get to learn how the public transportation system here works in Atlanta. I get to figure out how the Uber systems work. Um, maybe I, maybe I get a bike or, you know, you can literally walk out any building in Atlanta and hop on a scooter or a rentable bike, like instead of walking somewhere, if I need to go to target and it's a mile and a half away, like I can hop on a bike and go, or I can Instacart things here or have things delivered. So the amount of money that I've saved by not having a car payment, not paying car insurance, not having to pay for gas and at the time of this recording, gas is like what, $6 a gallon, which is insane. I don't have to pay for parking in my, in my building. So I feel what in the beginning, I felt like I was going to feel restricted. Like I was going to feel limited. And are there some times where I wish I had a car if I want to just like go on a, a whim and like drive to Asheville for the day or like drive down to Florida? Yeah. But on the flip side, I could just rent a car. 
I could just go on Turo and get a car. Um, so like, there's always, there's always a solution around it, but on the flip side, like I feel freedom. It feels very liberating. Like I have released the attachment to it and I I'm still safe. I'm still here. I'm still figuring things out. And you know what? If I want to go get a new car, I can just go get a new car. It's not a big deal, but I've made a commitment to myself. that I'm actually going to wait to get a car that I love. So then one that I'm not settling for, and it will be a milestone in my business, something that I like really, really celebrate. So, um, yeah. So that is my message for you today on the power of having to just reimagine. I hope that you love this episode. Let me know if you are living the carless life. I would love for you to slide in my DMS. I'm sending you all the love. Thanks for being on this journey with me. And until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Bye guys. Bye.